0: Unlearning Labels is about walking the walk of I see you, I hear you and I value you. Our mission is to offer solutions and to provide a safe space for conversations that impact organizations. In this way, companies can better understand their challenges, gain clarity and raise awareness, both at an organizational and individual level. Contact us to start taking actionable steps on the topics of diversity, equity and inclusion and for one-to-one executive coaching. Enjoy this episode.
1: Yeah, so today on on Unlearning Labels, we are going to talk about the over or underwhelming power of AI and the application process and how it uh, defaults to kick out uh, applicants of color. Um, and I guess, you know, in a way we can think about it, right? It's not so much that it's the parameters that the company decides, but it's the parameters that the software um, Engineers uh, coded
2: for. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. The the only thing as well is that I mean, I don't know about you two. When I did recruit, when you know, in the days of AI, because it's obviously got a, li- a little bit more challenging, right? Although it, it's strange, right? Because the whole experience of being a job seeker, surely it should have got easier, <laughs> because there's more people in the world, there's more companies. Okay, I know. Let's let's park COVID for a bit, because I know unfortunately people have lost a job and stuff like that, but. So I was told to play the game. That's what someone told me. who was in the recruitment space and said that, you know, you just need to change some of these keywords. And I don't know, it sounded a bit off for me because, yes, I get that. But are we changing ourselves just to get through that stage? And what are we leaving out? Um, but I guess the thing is, as long as we get in front of someone, we can then shine in front of them and have a dialogue, right? But yeah, it's, it's, it's getting quite challenging because when I ask people in that space, they don't always give me a clear answer as to what those keywords should be, you know? So it is, I'm pretty sure for anyone listening to this, it's, it is a challenging thing, right? To write a CV first and foremost, because for anyone that knows me, I used to hate that. And I still do, you know, I mean, we don't have to do that now, you know, we're working for ourselves, but, uh, yeah, I feel for anyone, um, who has to even do that right now and put themselves out there. And then you've got all of this hurdles of technology to get through all of the gatekeepers that are not even human
1: beings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know in in theory it's designed to make it easier for the gatekeepers. And I think, um, you know, because of, like you said, uh, because of COVID, so many people are seeking jobs, right? And uh, so... They do have to automate part of it to make it easier for those people um, who are looking through the massive amounts of uh, applications. But mm. at the same time, uh, you know, it, you got to be a human being. You mm. just have to be. Yeah,
0: mm. it's, it's it's interesting though. But I, I remember working in a co-working space a few years ago with the, with a group of coders. And one of them was uh um was a woman who was very she, I think she was teaching as well. Uh, she was uh, uh, very strong about including more women in coding. And and then there was one of the guys was uh, from India, and I think the other one was from one of the Arabic countries. And so for them, it was really... So they were a group of three, they were working together. And and for them, they said it was really, really important to have uh, different people from different backgrounds coding, especially these kind of softwares, you know, one thing is if you're working on, on music AI software and very different thing if you're working on a recruitment software. And, and I think, you know, doesn't matter how much we are aware of our biases, we all have them.
2: Well, you know, I mean, even we, we well, Mira used to work with a, a guy called Valerio and we had him on the podcast and he was, he was actually making music AI uh, And even he said, actually, it's all Western chords and Western music theory. So he said, I'm really struggling. Same thing. There's a lack of diversity. Because he said the same, he said, I'd love to have, you know, the Indian chord structures and all the other wonderful things that's in the in world music in there. But it's so rare because there isn't anyone really doing that. Uh, But we need to start, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's one thing that we're looking to get more diversity. And as you say, to have you know, coders coming from every different background and country and representative of the population. But also, I just keep hearing, well, you know, we haven't got there, so it's the best we can have.
0: Or we're in a hurry to
2: regroup. Yeah, so. or, you know, we haven't got enough time. But isn't that really just not good enough? Because I know, as you say, Cordelia, I totally get that. You're in a rock and a hard place. You you want 200 people by yesterday. You know, there's rapid growth for depending on what industry you're in. But wouldn't you want to put the brakes on and find the right people rather than rushing it? Because, I mean, we've all worked for companies, right? And I've worked in the tech industry for years. And most companies I worked for, if I'm honest, quite often got the recruitment wrong and then paid for it much later in the process because they weren't the right fit. You know, they were lacking diversity. No surprise because, you know, that's what we're hearing, right? And then they had to re-recruit because people fell through the net. You know, if you're not the right fit or they weren't really good for the culture or crucially these people didn't feel comfortable because there was one person representative of that demographic. And then they didn't, they were like, well, where's the rest of the people that look like me?
1: So let's think about that for a minute. Mm. That's a really great point about slowing down. Right? Mm. So we talk about that, like on the individual basis for self-awareness, but mm. as an organization, like, maybe you know in the policies for recruitment you know let's slow down yes we have ai to help us out but is it is an assistant right it is you know you still have a human being um reviewing what's being um what should be considered and so if you slow down and you really look at you know to your point like the history of the people in that position and that function and where it works in the organization historically the people that have left that position are they still the same thing that the ai is kicking out do we need to change the parameters Mm. right so that's like super duper important Mm. that is uh i guess it's still self awareness right it's like i mean amira amira Amira, i changed your name (laughs) because you know what amira actually means leader so (laughs) Tell us, what does that mean?
0: (laughs) What does a leader mean? Leader means the person that actually slows down. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And looks at things objectively. And you know what's really interesting to me when you said it's really important for... Because I think in the world of technology, when technology is so much, you know, we we recently spoke uh, to a woman that... uh, is say, said that technology can actually be uh, really bad for us, not because technology is bad, but because we're, we're at the moment we are looking in everything to be solved through technology. Oh, we've got climate change. Oh, we've got technology. Oh, we'll just find out something new that, you know. And so we don't really look at what we have and what is really going on. So we become overly reliant on technology and so we don't observe, we don't, uh, <laughs> Peter is being noisy. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> the, uh, so because we rely so much on technology, we, we lose objectiveness and we lose that point of actually, you know, what is going on over there? Is there anything wrong? Is there something that needs to be changed? Um, I was—I just remember that uh, old experiment that was done with people being shocked with electricity. You—you you, do you know that one, Cordelia? I can't remember. I We put in the show notes the link to it. Uh, I think it was done in the 60s or 70s, uh, and and they were looking into how authority uh, affects people uh, and and their decision making. So. Basically, they told the person that somebody is in another room who is being connected to electrodes and you are in another room and you are basically increasing the voltage of the shock that they're going to get. Uh, and there is a person in a in a white coat uh, telling them, it's okay, you know, and you can go more, you can go more. And so obviously there is you know, nobody's really being killed in another room, but they come to a, such a high level of voltage on this um, fake uh, electricity uh, machine that would actually kill a person. And you know it—you're gonna. I mean, it's two hundred twenty. That's that what kills people in the house, no? And and it was like four hundred something, and they still. Uh, and they're still going on because the person next to them is saying it's okay. So I think we've put technology into same level as, as that person in a white coat. We rely too much on it and we are not questioning what's in there. So, you know, we don't we don't see that the, everybody's looking the same, that everybody's talking the same because... You know there's no need for it because technology has
2: done it for us Well, it's a lot easier to hide behind technology and again i see technology as a huge enabler in the right hands. and what i mean by right hands is when you're clear what it what benefits it brings but also eyes wide open to the fact it's not a silver bullet it won't resolve everything so i'm sure it, any recruiters that are listening to or watching this that they can probably resonate with this because i used to speak to them so often about it Yes, it's great to have, you know, recruitment systems like Greenhouse and all of that. But there is a caveat to that technology. It's not perfect. And to your point before, Cody, of course, we need to save time, right? Because I remember manually doing it back in the day. It was really challenging. Thousands. I remember putting one job ad up in the UAE and getting over 1,500 applicants, you know. And I wanted to make sure. Sh- the- Sorry, go on.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another problem too, right? Because, like, everyone's not literate. Right, and everyone's not ethical, and everyone's not. Um, what's the other word that I'm looking for? They're not um, discerning, right? So you may end up with, you know, a certain prototype of idiot, you know, <laughs> in <laughs> certain positions, you know. Um, and then to Mira's point earlier about um, relying too much on technology, I mean not to make light of the whole thing but you know isn't that what the terminator movies were about like <laughs> robots took over <laughs> the earth and so yeah and then they turned on us or i mean there there've been a, a couple of movies you know where the robots end up being in charge so you know we we do want to there is a there is some truth to that i mean think about it a lot of you know, these movies from the 60s, 70s and 80s that were projecting, you know, what technology is going to look like and everything. I mean, some of that is kind of true now. So, you know, it's a possibility that the robots could take over. <laughs> well, I mean,
2: come on. <laughs> just... no, but I, I mean, no, but it, it's, it's a good one to ponder because. Yeah, the, the, I don't see Terminator happening anytime soon. <laughs> However, I'm more scared of the humans operating Terminator, if that makes sense, because it's not so much that AI is getting any time, or this, again, I'm no expert, right? But I did read a lot about it recently, and it's it's not, sorry, I keep making a lot of noises. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's, it's not that it's that clever that it could suddenly take over the world anytime soon, but I'm more concerned, I don't know about you two, the fact that... We just let go of our reins of control to something that actually isn't self-aware, and that's more dangerous in my eyes because it's it's autonomous. It's doing whatever we told it to do. And in and, and I know there's more complex neural neural systems and all of this stuff. And it's like wow, they look amazing. But in my limited view on it, it looks like it's still that's cool. But it's not like a human brain. You know, a human operator is always going to trump any automation or any technology right now. Not on speed, of course. And that's why automation and AI is amazing for certain tasks. But yeah, in the world of recruitment, where we need more human authentic touch points, I am like all of us, right? I think we agree on this. I am quite scared of it because I don't really see it adding any value in the sifting process with the way that the data is going into it in the first place, as as we pointed to. And that's it. I'm not I'm not saying it can't be resolved. And I'm, you know, we've had conversations with people who are passionate about making that change, you know, or starting to spread that awareness. But I'm just wondering, what can we do now, you know, if recruiters are listening or you've got a company that's suddenly scaling up and they're like, wow, we're going to have to recruit a lot of people soon and we're relying on this stuff. But we would love to have a more diverse workforce. So what kind of springs to mind in terms of what, what could we explore? And again, and we're not looking for solutions. That's not our game, right? But what what could we explore next on it?
0: Hmm. I think maybe maybe the first question could be, uh, what are the downfalls of not having, as, as Peter, Peter, you did say, you know, uh, you know, companies were, were seeing later on the consequence of of uh, recruitment that was done fast and without awareness and and not diverse enough. So, what are some of these consequences? What can people notice happening in their companies that would be like a yellow flag flag or or, or a red flag? And then, uh, you know, th- then it makes more sense to actually do something about it.
1: You know, I feel like a little bit tech challenge in this conversation because mm. like although i i suggested the topic i'm now thinking how much i don't know about software engineering <laughs> me too though so, um,
2: i wouldn't I'm an expert in terms just, of ai or technology <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know so i mean we can sit here and ponder what else can be considered the the only thing that i'm thinking like from a logical perspective is you know um like maybe nlp uh keywords right um that would be you know that that would detect more like human centric um you know capabilities and so that may you know depending on the way people are are creating their cvs right that may make female um mm. resumes come to the top right because uh you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is again, I, not to make an, a broad assumption, but women, you know, may use language that is a little bit more compassionate and, mm. you know, centered on humanity, respect and stuff like that. Whereas men will be like, you know, more facts and figures. Mm. It depends because <clears throat> over the years that I worked in corporate, I had different iterations of my CV, obviously, right? And sometimes I was, because I was in accounting, right? So sometimes my resumes were very, you know, just, you know, black and white. But, you know, from time to time, if I was um, applying for a higher level position, you know, where I would have to consider the overall impact on the employees and, you know, our client base, i did have more human-centric language so maybe you know looking for that because you know when we talk about diversity equity and inclusion there there's the gender issue as well so women women's resumes may get kicked out more often because you know they're not putting enough facts you know um, in their their CVs as opposed to men that will be all about the facts, right? To cover mm. up all the actual skills they don't have, mm. right? Because we know that men will <laughs> mm. apply for a job that they're totally not qualified for and get it. Mm. So mm. that's another thing to consider.
2: What occurs to me from having conversations with people even, even last year, year before, because it keeps coming up, right? Everyone is worried about it who should be worried but also there's a lot of companies that like we've just pointed to that innocently or not they seem to be not really wanting to change they know they've got a problem because their turnover is quite high and that i mean it's a complex issue because just because you've got high turnover for people listening doesn't necessarily mean that you've recruit the wrong people it could be you've got a terrible leadership team or you haven't been supporting your middle managers which is usually a good place to look but let's just say uh, if the middle management's really good the senior leadership team are super supportive and inclusive i think there's a two pong attack there correct me if i'm wrong so we need to look at the data so it's you know companies that can, because they're lucky and they've got the money and the scalability to really do the due diligence with a recruitment partnership. I mean, we, we speak to people all the time who were more, you know, our call to action as a recruitment firm is to look for more female leaders, you know, could be that, something like that. Right. Or it could be like, you know, if we're going to supply with cl- uh, clients, you know, i.e. fill those places for you, we want to know that these certain demographics are going to come go in there first because we just see they're underrepresented. You know, that's what I would look for if I was aware. But again, there's a lot of people out there, let's be honest, that are not aware in um, positions of power where they are the, the actual decision maker. So I just see it as a two pronged attack, like pick the right partner to recruit with in the first place, because that's obviously going to save you time. And what's right, you know, you are going to get it wrong. You might have to change the your recruitment partner or, you know, rejig your recruitment team and all of that. But second, the second thing I would see is we need more support for job applicants because I used to, I don't know about you two as leaders in the past, I used to help so many people apply for jobs on LinkedIn, rejig the CV. And I wouldn't say I'm an expert because when I've applied for jobs, I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm looking for jobs and, you know, some people are saying no, some people say yes. And it it seems to be hit and miss. And I even had CV writing courses. I I spent a lot of time with recruiters, you know, really being cheeky and really pushing them to help me, you know, you know. Can you just look at my CV? And I got a lot of feedback, but I also thought it was quite uh, sometimes a little bit unhelpful and that might seem ungrateful. But I go to one person who's a super expert, years and years in the business, would tell me one thing. And then a month later, I'd speak to someone else who arguably has just as much experience. And they would say, No, you need to take that off your CV. And I'd be like, Okay, do I include this? And as you say, fig- facts and figures, more more human centric language do it do a look at you know focus around you know what what i did for my team versus oh look how much money i made in each role because i know lots of it is quite common right you see people saying i've got six billion in sales in the last six months for my last company you know all of this stuff and i don't know about you i mean maybe i've just been not in those roles that are so much focused on that i mean i'm not really a salesy guy but that just never resonates with me. I'm like, okay, you might have done that, but what are you like as a leader? You know, how, how good are you at building trust? What are your relationships like internally? You know, these are the kind of questions you want to ask, but really, can you know that from a CV? I think the main thing is everyone just wants the opportunity to get in front of someone who's recruiting, right? I'm guessing that's the goal, right? And then you can share whatever you want, paper aside and AI aside.
0: But I think, you know, I think society is actually going in a very opposite, not society, but the recruitment is going in a very different direction. Uh, Do you know that some companies are creating the cameras, the AI that is recording and doing the recruitment for you?
2: Mm.
0: So it's reading the body language, it's reading the facial expressions, (laughs) it's... So the, you basically are answering questions to a camera and the AI is is deciding. Uh, so there is really no human in front of you. Uh, there is no I mean, Zoom is fine, you know, absolutely fine for making connections. You don't need more than that, but you really can't have less than that. And yeah, that,
2: that's a good thing to bring up because One thing is using automation and I to speed up the process just to get through that sift of, you know, if if it's a huge amount of applicants to get down to, you know, who's got the real experience. But yeah, that's a good point because we, we noticed, I don't know about you Cordelia, since COVID started, companies obviously wanted to uh, cut some, you know, trim the fat, bit of cost cut, and I get that it's normal when there's, when they've gone through challenging times, but as Mira said, they were starting to use a bot to recruit the person. And, you you know, usually that first stage, if you get past the CV looks great, fine, is to chat to another wonderful human being. It might only be a recruitment person, but still, you know, it's like, hi, how are you doing? I just want to check in, you know, it's nice. That's the first stage. And it's usually the safer stage, right? You're not like, oh, you know, they just want to do the due diligence that you're not doing what you're not meant to do or whatever, right? But this automation, it basically already puts you under pressure because there's no human connection. It really apparently is tuned in to see if you're lying and all of this and looking at rapid eye movements and all of these things that, as we all know as coaches, they can be read completely wrong. And if you're coding that in, it's a human, right? So there's going to be bias in there. There's going to be room for error, which I'm guessing would be a lot. Because mm-hmm. if if someone come to me and I had the money to pick between an automated product and automation with a human touch, I would go with the human touch every time with a heartbeat, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Wow. That's interesting because it's like just like you said with the um, the people who have been in recruitment for years, right? they have different worldviews on what is the, the perfect template for a CV. Mm. So, you know, just like people that study psychology, there are different schools of thought around, you know, body language mm-hmm. and facial expression. And um, I think that's what our friend, um, I think that was her issue, right? So it may have been the, the video that didn't pick up on her, um, you know, all the things that made her unique, Mm -hmm. right? So someone was telling me the other day in a conversation, another coach, and she was like, well, you know, when you turn your head to the, or when you lean your head to the right, that means something. And if you lean your head to the left, that means something. And actually for me, sometimes it just means I'm tired. And, um, and sometimes it means that I'm listening more intently, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes it means I really, really care, you Mm. know? And how are you going to detect that? How do you know the meaning? Huh? How do you know the meaning without any
0: baseline and knowing?
2: Well, it's like a lie detection test, right? They are rubbish, let's be honest. They've been (laughs) debunked so many times, but it scares me how many people are still using that kind of outdated technology. And, And, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking into you know, getting interested in the psychology of it. But if we don't go into every conversation thing, I could be wrong. I mean, remember one of our mentors and you're we looking at NLP was like, well, some people are the opposite, just naturally.
0: But some people are left-handed, <laughs> some people are right-handed. Yeah, so, so someone might that. look to the
2: right or the left, and it doesn't mean they're lying. It just means they're being reflected. But the person or the system's picking up the automation and AI is like, yeah, that's a liar next. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. That's scary. Isn't
2: it? Yeah, and quite sad when you think about it. Because if you're recruiting like that, imagine how much high talent you're going to miss out on, all of that diversity. So again, what I'm hearing, and what do you think, you I mean, it sounds like the more human-centric approach, coupled with the technology and in parallel, the better. Right? We just cannot. Lose the human touch in recruitment. That's what it sounds like to me. But
0: and lots of lots of awareness and reflection uh, when you're using. I mean, anyway, but when you're using technology, and I think people don't like to be wrong, and that's one of the things that I'm things that I'm picking up a lot uh, is that you know we'll do we'll fool ourselves in order to look that we're right to ourselves, and so. Um, And so I think the more comfortable we are with being wrong and more comfortable we are with not knowing things and sitting down, metaphorically, but, you know, kind of slowing down and looking back at the results of what we've done, regardless whether they're great or bad, the results will will tell us what, what we could improve.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, just really uh, taking that into account. So I guess step one, slow down, you know? Um, step two, be uh, really aware of what the uh, attrition, you know, like who, who's leaving and why, right? And that needs to be considered in the, if you are using an automated system Um, Step three, if you do want to use video, um, again, just get a software that has the lowest uh, rate of error, you know, and um, and then step four is always, you know, let's go back and see, you know, what resumes were kicked out and why and if we could consider them like, you know, how unusual would it be? if you had a woman in a position and then the, the software picked only male applicants, you know? And it's just like, well, what happened here and why? And really um, uh, take take the time to investigate a little bit. And you're, you're only gonna win, right? Even if the position has been empty for six months, you're only gonna win if you take maybe two months to fill it. Um, because, you know, it, it's much more important in the long run um, for, for the bottom line and for the company culture.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. It sounds to me as well that, you know, maybe the message is if you really want to recruit diversity into your company, i.e. you know for a fact you need more female leaders because it's vital for your organization. Go manual, go human, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm hearing. And yeah, there will be people I know, because I can figure people I work with in the past, but it's such a huge organisation. But sorry, that's reality, right? If you really want to make a difference and create an amazing inclusive culture, then you're probably going to have to invest and dig a bit deeper and find a recruitment partner that's going to go out with that call to action. Because that's going to be a million miles better than just letting it, you know, go to fate or just luck or anything else for that matter. You know, again, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's what occurred to me. I don't know about you. Too.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we keep on talking about awareness in these episodes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to be comfortable with ourselves. We need to know ourselves. I know where I get uncomfortable. I know what are my... I wouldn't say weak points, but what are my insecurities? So I'm I'm, really alert for when it happens. Like I know how my body reacts. I know how it feels. And so, the, you know, this is how I don't incorporate that in my decision making. This is, I know that those are my you know, maybe I can call, I wouldn't say biases, but my fears and my insecurities. So awareness is really, really important. So we really need to help our people understand themselves with no judgment, with no criticism, but really so they can be aware. And and then from that space, all our decisions and our recruitment is going to be very different. Because, you know, when you have And when you have a company and say, for example, uh, somebody needs to recruit somebody for uh, another person for a certain position, and if they are not comfortable saying no, and if they're not comfortable showing their own, um, how would you call it, their own opinion uh, about why somebody, why we need to wait for two months. And if they're only scared of keeping their job, they're going to re- employ anyone just to save their job. So you need integrity as well.
1: Mm, yeah, human values matter.
0: And, and that, that's it, you know, it's, it's really important that we have really aware people in these positions.
2: Yeah, That's a good point. It is often lacking because of the pace and speed that people are going a million miles an hour mm. and because money's involved and that's the tricky bit, right? But what we're pointing to, right, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, in the work that we're doing, this isn't going to detract from making more money. Just put it out there. This will increase your top line because a diverse workforce is a happy workforce, A, a workforce that's not representative of, at the very least, a local population where you've got your offices. Something's way off, right? And I know that, you know, in the world of technology and most companies are technically... You know, they've got people working from all over the place. But that usually detracts from the real reality of a non-diverse workforce. Just because they're representative of certain countries still doesn't mean that you're actually finding, you know, a diversity in your actual office, right? And that's something I found working for international companies that were like, we're super diverse. I'm like, well, are you? How come? Don't take this the wrong way because I'm white, a white male, but they're all... Older than me and they're all from a one country and there's no females in the leadership team. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we've got all this. I'm like, yeah, but if the leadership team isn't representative mm. across the board, then how can you build real trust? How can people feel really comfortable? You know, it, it's just it's harder, right?
0: Mm. But yeah, there, there, there is no diversity in, that, in those power powerful roles, the leadership roles.
2: I so, remember, who was it? Jennifer...
0: Jenny Stevens.
2: Yeah. So Jenny Stevens, when we spoke to her on the other podcast, she was like, well, would you want people who are not representative of your population making decisions for you? Because they can't see the wood for the trees. I mean, I'll be honest, when when I looked at it, when I wasn't self-aware in early roles, I was like, wow, I don't know because I'm not asking and listening to these people and therefore I've not had a lived shared experience that they have. So, wow, that was a gift for me back then. I'm really uncomfortable. But yeah, it, it's why it's so important to have everyone having a say in a word, but the only way they can do that is if they see someone that looks like them, acts like them and it, and is from, you know, the, what's the right word?
1: <laughs> Their demographic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. God. It matters. <laughs> you want to see, you know, the reflection of yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you also made me think of, remember maybe a month or so ago and the clubhouse room that we had, there was a woman talking about how she this was like her third HR position as a DEI person. Because, you know, you go in and in the interview, they're looking for someone that's going to, you know, just change the world. But when you get in there, They really want someone that's going to keep the status quo and it gets debilitating. So like the life of, you know, most of the jobs that she's had was about two and a half years. And so, you know, that's something to think about. It's like, wait a minute, that's another place to slow down. Why is the life cycle for this position, your DEI uh, HR specialist, you know, like two and a half years, three years, why?
2: You know, that's a really good point, because I worked in quite a few companies where there was high turnover in HR business partner and director roles. Uh, in, in actually, all of them. And I'm like, why Why is that? And yet it could just be that people, you know, they want to move on or whatever. But usually there's there's something behind that. And it's exactly that, that they've come in think and been sold, given the red carpet treatment, you know, you can change the culture and here we've got your back. And yet, usually it's the HR director roles. The, you know, L&D roles and usually the DEI roles that are really tough, let's be honest. They can be challenging if you've got a leadership team and people in the organization that actually do the opposite, straight out the gate. And then they wonder why, how can we not find someone, top talent to take this director role? Why have we lost six in the last four years? It's like, well, maybe you want to think about how self-aware you are. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, but Do it must... you really believe your own uh policies right but
2: it must be so tough imagine taking this gig and getting it and celebrating you know because the they, you know these people have got expertise they've got great experience right so they bring in everything and they're ready to go and then after a couple of months you realize that they just wanted to take a box yeah it's um it, the the good thing is i'm seeing that it, there's less places to hide if that makes sense yeah. because what i've noticed and maybe because of the work we're doing right maybe no surprise yeah. but my heart's been warm because I'm noticing that it's it's le- it's not as easy for organisations to get away with that now because there is a lot of surface level. Look at Black Lives Matter and there was a lot of call to actions, but it's a real shame that there's no meaty meatiness behind it. You know, I don't see any massive shift. I see you know, that it was talked about and people embraced it. Just like, you know, I know this is controversial, but June, you know, Everyone changes their logos to, you know, the rainbow, and everyone embraces diversity. But let's be honest. When I spoke to quite a few companies, they weren't.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Like you also make me think of this. uh, I'm not sure what her position was, but this woman, um, she posted. She was like looking for a job, and on their website, they said, "We are, um, we." it was something about paying women like closer to that pay gap. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, instead of like the pay gap of like 70%, it's like 4%. And like, that was a boast on their website. It's like, well, you know, our pay gap for female employees is, you know, only 4% less, (laughs) you know, it's like, okay, let's just check ourselves, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. so you're admitting that you're going to pay women less, you know? Mm. Um, But you're still better than everybody
2: else. (laughs) You know what? I mean, we we will definitely have an episode for people listening and watching on why would anyone get paid differently if you're doing the same job, regardless of what background you've got, everyone should be on the same wage. Yeah. Or at least the pay Mm -hmm. brackets. I know there's tier systems and it gets a bit complicated. But yeah, there's no reason why there should be someone in, in your same office just because they're male that should get, you know, 60% more pay. That's just, for me, it's just, it, it's it's lost. Oh, see, I'm getting passionate. I've just nearly hit the microphone. Nearly. <laughs> no, but it, it really bugs me because I used to feel uncomfortable, but then I realized that it's not me making those decisions. So I, you know, but I'm glad I did get uncomfortable when I heard about this the, you know the disparity and the gap between people getting paid, and actually, when I looked into it in certain roles, I was shocked at the differences. I mean, it it, it still exists, right?
0: Oh yeah, but, again- but it's not just it's not just a male female. It's it's about where you come from. It's about. Uh, you know. Yeah,
1: the Matrix is that—that that is a whole nother episode. Mm. Now that now that we're getting into it, because like <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it. too, um, like seeing the Matrix for like, you know, what school they went to and blah mm. blah 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 and the degree and number of years it took them to get the degree. I was like, really? Ooh. So yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: sorry to interrupt, but you know what? I mean, just to bring it back on on to on topic a little bit. A lot of people have spoke to of late as well and this is amazing but also i i I would agree so there's nothing wrong with education right it's wonderful I, i love to learn and i'm an avid learner and i think i'll keep learning until i'm not here right but i see a lot of focus or too much focus on dare i say you know they need to come from certain schools for certain jobs and it's crazy that they Look for that, and again, this is definitely a flaw in AI because they do have that as part of the criteria, right, when they're looking and sifting CVs, right? And I I just want to get away from that. And I see that there's a lot of CVs sticking their neck out in the last 15 months, which is cool, but let's see what happens with that because I've seen a lot of really good credible companies saying, yeah, we got that wrong, and we would like to look at people who don't have that privileged background because if they've got experience, why would we not have a chat with them? You know, we're probably missing out. You know, we've got a massive gap in talent. Why are we making our jobs difficult? Mm. But I haven't really seen anything tangible yet, but I'm hearing it. And there's a lot of articles, that, you know, for people listening, if you want to look into that. I think there was one, was it a couple of months ago, where a couple of US, at least US CEOs, quite, oh, yeah. quite big ones who had traction were like, you know what, we should recruit university education aside. I mean, even for me, I felt that the pain because I didn't have an Ivy League background, you know, I studied later. So, for example, when I went for a job in the UAE, luckily, I have really good experience and I blagged my way into the door. I really pushed for way in. But had I not done that...
0: before AI.
2: Yeah, it was for people <laughs> listening. Yeah. You know, it was before AI. It was um, just before like t- 2007. And actually... Had I not pushed and been proactive and built relationships straight out the gate with my future boss, the company for people listening in the UAE, they were they, they have to check your education when you get a visa and stuff like this. And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but had, had I not had someone having my back and saying, look, I vouch for him, he's super uh, experienced and been in all of these companies and blah, blah they wouldn't have let me stay in the country because they would have said, you've got a gap in your education. And that's just yeah. one example. And again, I love the UAE, you know, I lived there for a long time with Mira as well, so I'm not knocking it, but it's just something I think people need to think about. Because I honestly, if I, if I was to scale up now and we, the three of us had a company, wouldn't you rather look for experience and education? And yeah, if they have everything, great, fantastic, well done. You know, you've you've got an MBA from this school. But if, if I've seen you, have you know, cut your teeth in lots of diverse roles and you've gone through adversity, that's what I'm more interested in, right? I'd rather yeah. see a struggle and a story behind that. And i I'm like, I don't know, what do you think about that? But for me, as a recruit manager, I'm more excited by that. Let's explore that. And again, I wouldn't discriminate just because you've got a nice degree from a, you know, a good school. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think we heavily discriminate when people apply for jobs because they haven't had a certain background or education. And I just don't get it because I've seen people four or five years in the same industry and been super successful and they get a no. I just think that's crazy, you know.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I um it's not where it's not where you go to school that's gonna make you a better professional, it's your experiences, you know, and and there's a thing, you can know something in theory.
0: And then (laughs) careful form. Oh yeah, (laughs) there's a huge gap in between theory and experiential learning, isn't it? and and reflect and change until we are happy with the results. Are those the results that we want? Mm-hmm. And, and and the other thing is really uh, there is nothing there's nothing that can replace the human to human connection. It's I mean we've been in COVID for what two years nearly and and year and a half and we have learned that really human connection is really, really, really important. And I know, I know leaders who recruit like this, mm. and they recruit top people. They never regret it.
2: Yeah, because that I mean, and, and
0: there are people who are having like nine interviews and still can't find the yeah. proper match.
2: I mean that's another
0: that's a skill to learn.
2: That's another episode in itself because we've we've been speaking to people who've had six, seven interview rounds. And they're not even that senior roles. And I'm just like, that is inhumane. It's insane. And it's actually very wasteful. It's not very cost effective for you, for people listening. If you're an organization, why would you do that? You know, as Mira said, if you're really great as a leader, you've got great experience in your role, you know what you're doing. A couple of rounds should be enough, you know, with the pre. So, you know, for me, it'd be like three stages, a sift maybe by a recruitment team or someone in the company, you know, first to second interview maximum, but they put them through a lot of testing now. And again, in the past, they got rid of the psychometric stuff because for people listening, it doesn't work. Sorry, <laughs> you know.
1: But, you know, the, the psychometric stuff, I mean, so like a lot of the things that we're talking about, like the matrix, yeah. the psychometrics and all those, those are the things going into the AI, mm. you know, um, even though we know that those things don't work, you know. So, wow, I think we've, looked at it from all the angles and now we have at least two or three new topics for our upcoming episodes. So this has been a really rich discussion, Mira and Peter. Thank you so much. And for those of you watching and listening, um, you know, give us, you know, just weigh in. What are your questions? What, what uh, chords did we strike with you and, and uh, where does your organization fit in To the topics that we discussed
0: yeah if you if you want to improve your processes uh and and rely on 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 what results you want and look at that direction give us a call
2: yeah be really super curious we want to know because we're not saying we're right we're just in dialogue right this is the thing it's not about fixing it we're just increasing our awareness even having this conversation so if you're in the game of recruitment and you see it differently we'd love to know because, you know, we're open to being wrong as well, you know, because that's 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 the that's where I get excited about this and about you two. And you know what occurred to me just to round it off? It sounds like there's no, I mean, I don't know who told me this and it always stuck with me and, and I, it reminded me the other day. There is no, there's no such real shortcuts in life, right? There's always something, a price to pay. And that's not to say that shortcuts are good, because if you've got clarity and it needs to be done, now you do it, knowing Eyes wide open that there's a small cost, but it sounds to me like recruitment. There's a heavy cost to using shortcuts, massive, you know, from both sides—not just for the recruitment team, mm-hmm. for the organization, but more crucially for the job seeker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To ponder? yeah, yeah.
0: If if you are using AI as as a way of a shortcut, you really need to invest time to test it, and and so yeah, yeah. Ooh. Well thank you very much Cordelia this was really interesting topic to, yeah, to thank you to so,
2: this has been a great one i, I think we should um, we should stop there because like cordelia <laughs> said there's there's enough cannon fodder in the there's probably another two or three episodes worth right
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much bye bye thank you for listening As you can see, Unlearning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. If you would like us to help you address any of the topics we explore during the show, such as diversity and inclusion, cultural change, leadership development, or one-to-one executive coaching, please contact us via www.unlearninglabels.com or reach out to us via LinkedIn.